All right. Well, good morning, Identity Church. We're going to get started. You know, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the love of God. In fact, I think I taught like five, six um, series uh, titles on it. So if you want to go back and listen to any of that, I probably talk more on love than, than even knew there was even love, right? But that we're going to talk about in this transitional time how we go from, from love to faith. And so this Choose Life series, the Lord's really had me redo some things that, that I was going to do in the first place because choosing life has to do with choosing Him in His love. And you may be saying, well, He loved us first. Absolutely. But this is a two-way street. How many people know that, that you can't just have a monotone type of relationship with people? That you can't have a one-way, I'm just going to tell you everything. You know, that's called a dictatorship. If that's the way that it was, and that's the way most people pray, by the way, is most people just shotgun God. God, I'm going to tell you everything about what's happening. I'm going to tell you about my problems. He already knows your problems. God's watching your problems. He's watching your victories. So sitting back and trying to tell him about every single little thing in life, it doesn't really help. Sometimes we need to say, Lord, I don't know what to do about that problem, and now I'm going to sit back and I'm going to listen. You know, that's one of the reasons why God gave us one mouth and two ears. It's because we're supposed to do twice as much listening as we are speaking. You know, the, the great thing about, you know, I, I used to just speak and some people probably think I still do this, but they think I probably just speak all the time and I don't listen. But the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that if I shut up, a lot more gets done because there's a lot more better ideas. There's a lot more people who you can, who you can talk to that has had more experiences. Do you know that, that God's love that when it is given to us, it produces certain things. In fact, we even know that faith is a fruit, right? It's a fruit. It's a gift of the Spirit. And what we have to understand is, is that there is, and I really believe that the love series that we just taught on in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it really lays it out really great about what love is. And love is not about just having the power to do Whatever you want to do. But love is about having the power of relationship with people. And so if you've not seen that, especially the people that are on our live, go back. We have podcasts that are out there that, that will, t it's five, six uh, sermons. So go back and listen to it. And we're going to touch on it just a little bit. But I wanted to get started on this today. So choose life. So I'm going to take Deuteronomy 30, 19, and 20, and this is going to be sort of our series uh, scripture. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you. You think, oh my gosh, that's bad. Well, no. He's, he's saying heaven and earth are going to see this promise. I'm not doing this behind the scenes. I'm not trying to keep this away from anybody. Everybody's going to know this promise. Everybody's going to know what I mean when I say this next statement. This is not a judgment. This is, hey, hold on. Everybody look up. Everybody look towards what I'm about to say because what I'm going to say is going to give you a certain promise. And it says, I have called heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. What happens? What happens now? He gives us the answer. He actually gives us the question and then he answers it for us. He says, therefore, choose life. You know what's crazy about this is that God never gives us a question that he's not willing to answer for us. You can write that down because his word is full of the answer 
more than questions. Do you know that every single time when you don't think you have a good life or you don't think that life is going well for you, the answer is in His Word. The answer is there for your ever-present need. It is going to provide to you the ability to give you life. Every single time. Now, there's the other side of this, right? It's not just a dictation. He didn't come back and say, guys, I'm just going to provide you a life. Y'all go have a good one. No, he said, you have to choose it. How many people's made choices in life? Well, you know what? I've seen plenty of people who make the wrong choice every single time in life. You know, when God's word says, hey, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Well, what happens when we go and we seek man's approval first? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. The, if the first thing that you do when you go to say, hey, I'm seeking first someone else's counsel over God's counsel, there's going to be a problem. You're not choosing life. It, that's a, you know, I always talk about this. I'm in cybersecurity. There are key indicators of compromise. Indicators of compromise are something that we look at. It doesn't show us the problem. It shows us that there is a problem. There may be nothing going wrong. You, your life may be just perfect. You think, oh, this is awesome. But every time I make a decision, there seems to be a problem. That's an indicator that the decision you made wasn't the life-choosing decision. That you should have chose what God was telling you. I, I'll be honest with you. One of the things that I look at is, and I didn't do this this week, but I gave a big praise God because God came through anyway, was that I come in here on Friday night, uh, week, I guess it was like last Friday, week from Friday, and the AC unit was busted on the other side. Well, I start calling people that work on AC units. They come out on the Saturday and they're like, oh yeah, this thing's completely shot. It's got no, it's, it's got no more life in it. We're going to have to either replace the whole unit or you're going to have to spend a lot of money on just replacing the compressor. And so I'm like sitting there going, okay, well, give me an estimate. What do you want to do? And I go call other people and I'm trying to get them to come in. And finally, I was just like, Lord, help me. And I actually prayed this. I said, Lord, help me. To do something that's going to make Johnny, the guy that owns all of this, because we're leasing this building, I don't have any power or authority to do very much when it comes to the building. I can do a lot to the inside, but if it comes to the AC unit, I can't. So I said, Lord, show me the way that's going to make Johnny happy. Because I need this thing fixed quick. I don't need this thing fixed like in months. Because I was getting estimates that was, hey, this is going to take, you know, three months going three months heck it'll be winter by the time i actually got the ac unit fixed right so i mean just you're sitting there going well hey maybe i don't fix it at all i don't know but anyway we were we were talking i was talking to johnny i said johnny i said i'll do whatever you want me to do i'll call more people i'll do whatever and johnny says you know i used to use this guy and i'm gonna send him out there so he came out here last week the guy went through it with a fine tooth comb a lot more than the people that we had gotten to come out here and look at originally. And the compressor was completely fine. He hooked up all of his diagnostic equipment and he did all this stuff. And all it was was a wire that had been burned through. He replaced the wire. We have AC over on the other side of the building. Now, you may be sitting there going, Dusty, I've heard this story from you, especially the people that are in here. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, I praise God for that. Because, you know, if, if truly it was a problem that had to be fixed by replacing the unit or doing something else, it was going to take a long time. It was going to take a lot of, we were going to have to go through a lot in order to keep things going. But when I just said, Lord, help this situation to where I can get the AC unit fixed quicker. You know, I truly believe that God intervened in that situation 
Because if I just went with the first person, oh, we'd been waiting months and it would have cost us, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars. It would have been awful. But do you know that when we choose life, that means that we choose to have relationship with our Father and we listen to Him more than we talk to Him. You know, listening means that I'm choosing life. Listening means that I'm choosing to say, okay, what is the most life-giving thing? But there's another flip side to this. It's not just a monotone one-way conversation. This conversation that you have with God, He's going to tell you something and then you have to go do it. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about how you get to faith. But see, when we go to choose life, we're doing it not just for ourselves. Because it says in the rest of verse 19, it says that both you and your descendants may live. This right here is a promise that they're going to have life if you do this. How many people want to have life for your kids and your grandkids and for your kids, 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 kids? As far as the generations that you can think of, if they continue with this life, there will be more life. It says in verse 20, it says, That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice. Oh, this is, you're expecting to hear from Him. This is a relationship. God is not just out there going, I'm only going to talk to the people that I want to talk to. God will talk to anybody. You know, I love in, in uh, John 10, 17, I'm, I'm sorry, in, in John 10, 3, where it says that my, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice and they respond. Bah. I'm telling you, we are a part of that, that promise to hear his voice. How many people want to hear God's voice more and more and more? Absolutely. I want to hear him every single minute of every single day. I'd like for him to tell me what we need to eat because I can't get my family to tell me that. I go walking in there and go, hey, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? And they go, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I can tell them a thousand places that they don't want to eat, but they won't tell me the one place they do want to eat. I want God to be able to help us make conversations to where I know what to do in every situation. You know, if you knew what to do in every situation, you would just win. You know, if you just knew the answer before the question was given, you'd make a hundred every single time. If you knew the answer before everybody else, people would start pointing you out. They'd start going, Betty, my gosh, how do you do this? Charlie, how do you do this? Caleb, you know, I think it's really funny because I really believe that my son and my daughter both, but my son, I see him. He studies to show himself approved, but he knows the answer before everybody else does in his class. And I believe him because of that, he's going to always be rewarded because of that. Do you know that when God puts something in your heart, when he is speaking to you, you're just going to sit there and go, okay, I got the answer. Now I've got to go do something with it. It says here in verse 20, it says that you may love the Lord your God, that he may obey, that, that you may obey his voice, have that relationship, and that you may cling to him. That means trust. I've got faith in what God is telling me. I've got faith in what God's promise is for me. And it says, for he is your life and the length of your days. Man. That's a promise we should all take a hold of. That's a promise that we should write down. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19, you get the Jesus side of that. Where it says, hey, I'm also going to give you other promises. Not just life, but I'm going to give you supernatural promises. I'm going to give you promises that are beyond promises. You're saying, we're just going to win. We're just going to win. At every turn, we're going to win. You know, I, I was going to Karis, and one of the teachers was talking about that, you know, they were in a car. Uh, he had went to, a, uh, to minister at this 
um, church, and they were going to dinner one night, and there was four of them. It was the pastor and his wife, and, and it was the, his, uh, him and his wife, and, and they're in the back seat, and they come around the curve, and this like big 18-wheeler is in their lane. And the pastor's wife screamed, Jesus, help! And you know what, you know what was crazy about that? Was that she had no time to sit down and say, Lord, I'm putting together a prayer plan. Here's all of my, my five points that I want to talk to you about. I, I want to tell you about everything about this truck and about how it you know, was about to hit us. You know, he said, they said, Jesus, help. He said that the next thing they knew, they were on the other side. And they're looking behind them, and that truck is in their lane. You think, wow, that's crazy, Dusty. I don't know if I believe that. You know, that's a third, that's third hand. That's, that's, that's something that, that has been unverified. Okay, I'll give you that. I wasn't there. I wasn't able to verify it. I'll tell you something that happened to me. All right? Let's talk about Choose Life. You know that after I'd gotten out of Karis and I was going through, um, you know, I was helping to co-pastor a church up in, up in North Jefferson called Life of Faith North. And I was leaving work. I was supposed to teach at Karis. They had asked me to come and teach. And I'd been praying all day long, and I'd been trying to listen to the Lord, and I was like, Lord, help me, help me, help me. I want to be able to give these people that are going to Bible school more than what I got. And so, do you know what the Lord said? He goes, go eat at Nukes over on 280. Now, I got news for you. I like eating at Nukes. We ate there yesterday. But I'm going to tell you what, that's not the answer I was looking for. I was looking for go to this scripture and expound on this word and it's going to be powerful and there's going to be a revival, right? No, go to, go to Nukes and eat dinner on 280. So <laughs> I said, Lord, I don't have time to go to Nukes and eat dinner on 280. But what happens when, you know, Somebody that's in authority that knows more than you tells you to go do something. You go eat at Nukes on 280, which it's closed down now. But, but I will tell you this. I said, okay, Lord, after long deliberation, I went to Nukes on 280. And I walked in, and I was the only one in there. And the lady that was in front of me, she was probably 20, 21 years old, tattooed all up and down her body, had more nose rings than y'all have. Every woman has earrings in her ear today. And I go walking in and she was, I mean, her eyes were so bulged out from crying and pink and just so, so bad. And I said, are you okay? And she says, I'm going to be fine. And I said, okay. And so I ordered my food. And so I order my food. I'm about to go sit down. And the Lord says, go ask her why she's crying again. Okay. <laughs> so I get back up. She's standing up there and tears are running down her face. And I said, why are you crying? And she said, she said, my friend passed away two days ago. And we buried her today. And nobody showed up to her funeral. Nobody gave her anything. And by the way, I took it that there was, it wasn't a funeral at a church because she was a lesbian. And I took it by some of the stuff that was saying that she had such an alternative lifestyle that she had pushed everybody out of her life. And I took it that because of this, this lady herself had nobody to turn to because she did the same thing. So I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, I said, well, come sit with me. So she sits with me and, and as I'm eating, 
I'm talking to her, and I'm just telling her about how much God loved her and how much everything. And she asked me, she says, is my friend in hell? I said, I don't know. Because I wasn't there when she died, and she could have said, Jesus, I believe. So I'm sitting there, and I'm consoling her. I'm talking to her. I'm, I'm putting into her. And she looked at me, and she said, she said, this is the most peaceful time I've had in the last two days. And I just told her Jesus loved her. I said, I said, all you've got to do is just call upon the name of the Lord. I said, I don't care what else you do. If you need this peace, you just call out to him. That he'll give you a peace that passes all understanding. I said, will you grab a Bible? Will you read it with me? And I went to Philippians chapter 4 and I talked about all the things that gave peace. She went on her phone. We read it. Now, I'm going to tell you what, I was there for an hour. I'm going to be honest with you, I only had 30 minutes to get to the church. And you know what? The first thing that came into my mind after I prayed with her was, well, that's done, I'm not, I'm not going. I'm going to call or send a text or I'm going to do whatever. So I get up and I walk out of the place, I'm going to my car, and I'm going to sit down in the car and I'm going to type my text. And I, I, I reach down to, to turn on the, the ignition and the clock pops up. And I left work at 5 o'clock. It said it was 519. And I said, there's something wrong here. There's something wrong I don't understand what just happened. And so I looked at my iPhone. I called. I called Heather, I believe. And I said, what time is it? What time do you have? And she said, 522. So I called Cynthia, the lady that's over the carousel. And I said, hey, I'm coming. And the most amazing thing has happened. And she said, if it has to do with God, it's always going to be beyond amazing. You know, God will stop time. He will stop time to minister to one person. He will stop time to bring life to one person. So when somebody tells me that they scream, Jesus help, and they're on the other side of a, of a truck, and it didn't hit them, and they saw it in their lane, I don't question it. Because I've seen this kind of stuff happen. He adds the super to the natural and he's going to give life to those who choose it. I tell you that because it wasn't that I'm amazing. It's because he's amazing. It's because he knows what the next thing is. And he'll do amazing things for you. Do you know that I prayed for this lady? Do you know that I think I got more blessed by that whole situation than anybody I still to this day talk about that. Do you know that life happens for all that choose? All right, we're going to go, I'm going to go real quick through this part right here because we've talked so much about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I don't want to like bog us down and I know I just took a lot of times telling that story. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 13 it says, Now abideth faith, hope, and love these three, the greatest of these is love. And as we talked about in the love series, that greatest is this word mezona, and it means elder. It means the beginning. It means first. So if I'm reading this, I'm telling you that Paul is saying, I've got faith, hope, and love. Love is first. So then I invert this on its head. So love is first. Hope is second, and then we have faith. And you may be saying, well, Dusty, I thought faith only came one way. I thought faith came by what, what Romans 10, 17 says. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, it's true. Faith does come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But let me ask you a question. Does it come that minute? 
Does it come that second that you, that you read that word? No. Most of the time I hear a word and I go, I don't know if I believe that or not. I don't know if that has connected with me. You know, when I got a hold of I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me, it was what they call a rhema word. That, that word there was something that became alive on the inside of me. But you know that most of the time when I go read my Bible, there are words that, that like linger inside of me. Romans 12, 2. You know, that's one of them that I go back to. First uh, Peter 2, 24. You know, that by his stripes we were healed. So if we were healed, that means we are health. That's a promise that we have in, in the Word of God. I actually look at myself every single morning when I get up and I've got all the crud and my hair's all messed up and everything and I feel like, man, my back hurts. And I look in the mirror and I say, I am health. You know, if I were, just like in Romans 12 too, where it says you renew your mind by the Word of God. You know, when I renew something, that means that sometimes I got to knock off all the, I got to knock off all the rust. That doesn't mean you're not going to have the pains. It doesn't mean you're not going to have the circumstances. But guess what? You're going to walk in and go. You know what? On the underneath of that pain, on the underneath of that rust, is I, is that I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me, and that by His stripes we were healed. You know, those are promises that we have. Now, I only have that because of one thing. Before I got to the faith in it and it actually started working for me and I started working it, because, you know, faith is something that we've got to, we've actually got to do. Because I can have all the faith in the world and, and Jesus can say, hey, you've got all these promises, but it's just like going to having a million dollars in the bank. I can have a million dollars in the bank and it looks like this, a credit card. Now let me ask you a question. If y'all needed money today, how many people would take credit cards? How many people, you take credit card? You got like a, a credit card machine on you right now? She, you know, my mother-in-law's got lots of stuff. She's, she'll take my credit card from me. But my point is, is that, is that in this credit card, is nothing. It's just a piece of plastic that's tied to a bank account. So if faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, as we know in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, well, I don't see my bank account. In fact, it's a bunch of numbers, by the way. In, in fact, Heather and the kids spend it before I actually ever see any cash. So... You know, I get an influx of numbers that hit this screen when I look at it. And, and that number is there. And I just try to make sure that number doesn't go below zero, okay? But see, in every single thing that we do in our society, this should be, faith should be easy in our current society. But it's not because people don't do this hope piece. Because faith should be easy because everything is somewhere else. And we're just relying upon it to give us something as a bartering tool. Do you know that hope is the, I know that my paycheck's going to come in every two weeks. You know, my hope is, is that when I go home, my kids and my wife are going to be there and they're not going to hate me. You know, my hope is, is that tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to get barbecue by the way, Matt, you better have that barbecue ready at lunch. But I'm just telling you that, that hope is the first step towards us understanding anything to do with faith. In fact, we have to understand that hope is this word ellipsis, and it means to anticipate. It means expectation. It means to have confidence in faith. Do you know that sometimes I think that we need to read the scriptures and we need to look at the promise and we need to say, okay, well, it encompasses these three things right here. What does that mean? Well, sometimes I need to know the what and the why. I need to know why I need to have hope in order to have faith. See, I think sometimes 
what we do is we, is we negate certain parts of the word because we're trying to jump to the end. It's the fast food generation, right? How many people want to go here after church and I want to go up here to Burger King or wherever it is and I'm expecting I'm going to get my food within a certain amount of time. And if I don't, by the way, I'm going to go write a Yelp review and tell them how bad it was. But let's just say this. If we didn't have this fast food generation and if we didn't understand anything to do with food in our current, in our current environment, Back 150 years ago, people started dinner at breakfast, right? You put the beans on and you let them boil for like eight hours or whatever it is. And then you have to go through and you have to cook all this stuff. And it was an all-day chore. We didn't just go to Burger King, go get a hamburger. You had to go find the beef. You had to go find a cow. You had to kill it. You had to strip it down to its parts. And then you had to go and ground it up. You had to create your own buns. You had to do everything. But see, we think that faith should be, ta-da, I'm here. Ta-da, I've got it. But see, we have to understand that we may not even know that we have a promise yet. We may not even know that we can even have faith in something. And see, that's the beauty of what God did in his word is he's trying to say, hey, guys, I love you so much. I'm going to give you promises. And because I gave you promises, because I gave you these things, I want you to imagine and have a great understanding about how awesome this is because it's coming. And when the bank account gets full, it'll be there. And then you get to go and cash the check. You know, that's the bad part about, about having a bank account. Is like, you know, let's just say dad's a multi-billionaire. You believing for that, dad? Because I am. So dad comes up to me and he says, hey, I've got this bank account. If you need anything, just go to the bank account. And he tells me about this. Well, 20 years later, I'm going you know what, I'm really hungry. I don't have anything. And I go, I forgot about dad's bank account that he said was going to have all this money and all this goodness that's in there. And you're sitting there going, how do I get to that goodness? Well, in today's society, I need to know the number. I got to be on the statement. I've got to, there's all these prerequisites. Well, it's no different than the word of God. You find out about your promise and then you have to know about what it's promising you. Then you have to expect that it is there. And then once you expect that it is there, then you have to say, I'm going to go do something with it. That's faith, guys. I've got trust that it's going to be there every two weeks if it's my paycheck. I've got trust that we're going to be in a position to be able to pay the building note every single month i've got to have trust that we're gonna that we're gonna grow and that things are gonna happen here at church i've got to have trust and faith and hope that in every single one of your life that the same thing's gonna happen i pray it every single day i pray it for each and every person that i know that are coming to this church that's telling me they're listening online i'm praying and i'm saying we need to have the next step there, there has to be a next step and I have, to, I have to have an expectation that this is going to happen. So if I have this hope, if I have this thing that says that, you know, I have this confidence in faith, then what does that look like? What does hope actually look like? You know, most of the time when, you, when people use the word hope, this is the way that they do it, okay? Now, all right, I'm going to... I'm going to say, you know, Sonia, Vic, Vicky, you know, you two are having a conversation. And I come walking up on the conversation and it's bad. It's like, oh, I'm not able to pay my bills and, you know, my dog got sick and, you know, I, I, wasn't, able to, I wasn't able to get uh, groceries last week. And somebody, and, and let's just say Sonia tells Vicky, oh, well, well, you know what, I'll help you out. I'm going to, I'm believing that it's going to get better. And then I come walking up and I go, 
what are y'all talking about? And you tell me and I go, well, I hope it gets better. I hope that things are going to get better for you. But I want you to understand that there's a negative and a positive side of hope. That hope on the negative side is I just cast a bet. It's like I'm at the roulette table and I'm like, put all my chips on black. And see, if we live our life based upon I'm hoping that it gets better for you, but I'm not really sure that it will, that means that you don't have a promise to stand on. I'm sorry, but if the first thing you thought was, Vicky's going down. <laughs> Vicky's going down hard. Oh my gosh. Well, maybe we can find her a halfway home or whatever. But <laughs> Bless you. But this is the thing. We have to understand our promise, and if we understand the promise then we've now got the positive side of hope, which is I expect there's something awesome that's about to happen to Vicky. I expect that Vicky is going to have the greatest week that she's ever had in her life. I'm standing, I'm praying, thanking God, hallelujah, it's going to happen. And you know what? When I have a promise to stand on and I believe in that promise, then my expectation is that promise is going to come to pass. So now I'm going to be sitting there going, Lord, help me to help Vicky. And that may mean something really awful, people. You want to know the awful part of this? Is that you may have to do something if you're praying for someone. Oh my gosh, I've got to do something? It means i got to not just go, Lord, okay, I prayed five seconds for them. Now I'm going to send them off into the ether. Hopefully, Lord, just hopefully that they won't die. Do you know that, that when God tells you, hey, you might want to go tell them about that this other person can help them. They might know something about their situation. They might be able to help them with their situation. That means you might have to stick your nose in somebody's business. We don't do that in our society. We don't go and buy somebody groceries and take them to their house when we know that they've got a problem. When somebody's sick, we don't bring them a meal. When somebody has issues, we don't go and try to find a way to help them. I'm telling you, man, this is the most damning part of this is the fact that most people in our society, they don't want to do faith. They don't want to do hope because that means I got to go do something. You know what? I, now, most of y'all probably don't know what I'm talking about here, but we were part of the Word of Faith movement for a long time. In fact, Charlie and them got in on pretty much the ground floor years and years ago, but I came into it, I was 18 years old. And in the, in the Word of Faith movement, it was, you know, faith was grace and faith was love and faith was everything. I mean, you would have people who they would substitute faith and they would go do stuff or they would go, they would go buy stuff and you'd be like, that's not faith, that's stupid. I don't have the money to pay for a car. And so the thing is, this is not about being unwise. This is about finding a promise and that having that promise have an expectation attached to it. And on the end of that expectation, I'm going to go do something about it. You know, what's crazy is we, we got in, and we know plenty of people, and um, they called it, you know, you had the faith movement, and then you had the grace movement. So we were going to Karis Bible College. What Does anybody know what the word Karis means? Grace. Okay, so we went, I went to a college that was basically called Grace Bible College, but it was in the Greek. Karis is a Greek word for grace. So I would go there, and what was funny is Andrew Womack, the, the person who put this college together, you know, he's a big-time minister in certain circles. And what's funny is, is that he was, he was about the balance of grace and faith. That you can't have anything in faith without having the grace. That we get saved by what? Grace through faith. That means there's a through. That, like, do you, have you ever thought about this? There, like there's a threshold 
that, that the grace is there for me to get saved, but I have to walk through the, the threshold in order to have faith? See, sometimes that's a dirty word nowadays. Well, we've got to do something for God. We're not doing it for God. He's doing it for us. You know, I'm going to flip that thing upside down on its head is that we're not trying to get God to move. God's trying to move us. The stupid part about it is, is that most of the time, God is sitting there going, where you at? I've been waiting on you. You hadn't showed up. He ain't, he ain't out there in us trying to find him. He's trying to find us doing the thing that was the promise. I'm going to get off that because I, I will go down that road and it'll be hard to get back, Okay. But I just want you to know that hope is not a wish or a bet. Hope is an expectation in faith. In fact, there's always a promise. If we don't have a promise for something, then don't have faith for it. I remember people that would be sitting there and I would go, where did you find the scripture to have faith in that? And they go, well, I just, you know, God just allows me to just have faith in anything. Do you know that I don't, and, and I hope you guys don't either, where you just arbitrarily go, because I used to do this, by the way. I'm telling, Dusty's telling on himself, okay? So y'all learn from me, okay? Learn from me because I used to go, Lord, I'm going to be a millionaire one day. In fact, I'm going to be a millionaire in five years. And I would hedge my bets. I would put it out there. And then after the five years came and I wasn't a millionaire, I was still working my job. It was like, another five years, I'm going to be a millionaire. Well, you know what? The more times I talked to God and I read his word, God would take me down a different path than going over here and starting a multi-million dollar business. So it would always derail that I'm having this faith thing about a million dollars. Now, you may be thinking, Dusty, that is the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. I got news for you. I, if I dug really good for y'all, I would find things like that too in y'all's hearts. Okay? So don't judge me. All right? But I'm judging myself right now because I'm going to tell you one of the things that the Lord told me a long time ago was that don't spend lots of time praying about stuff that I didn't tell you about. Oh, that's, that's a, if y'all got pads, write that one down. If God has not told you to go and believe for something, he doesn't have a promise for it, why are you believing for it? Why are you doing it? Because a lot of times I started realizing that the things that God was telling me to do was the opposite or it was taking me in a different direction and it slowed me down to go, God, I don't want to go do that. I want to go do this. God, I want to go over here and and, you know, sell my house and we live with Reba and Charlie and I can go over here and I can start a business. Reba looked at me and said, not going to happen. But back when I was younger, that was the things that hit me. That was the things that I said, I want to do that. You know that every time I talked to God about it, he would go, you know what? I'm going to keep prospering you in this vein. And I would go, Lord, I don't want that. I'm waiting on you. When are you going to show up? See, the promise of God in his word says that he will give us things. By his stripes, we were healed. Well, I, I'm, I'm believing that I'm going to be healed all of my days. By the way, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. Philippians 4.19 is just as awesome because he supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And every time I would go and God would give me an opportunity, I'd go, I don't want that opportunity. And he goes, but I'm supplying a need. I've got to take you some places. And we'd already hedge the bet, me and Heather, and go, I'll never preach. Well, what's happening? I'll never go into the ministry because God's got bigger and better things for me. You know, the older I got, the more I quit arguing with God. And things sped up really, really fast after that. Do you know that one of the great things about the promise in hope and the promise 
that goes to faith is the fact that if I don't, if I get myself out of the way and I listen to what he says, the path seems to get straighter and it seems to move faster. You know, in my life, the more I started having anticipation for the things that he told me about, the promises that was in his word. I mean, I've got prom the promises in his word. You can scream one out at me and I will go, yeah, I believe it. Now, you may scream one out and I go, I'm still working on that one. Like raising people from the dead. Like I haven't gotten to that one yet, okay? I haven't gotten to that one. So I believe that it's true, but I will tell you straight up, that one right there, God's still working on me. So, But I will tell you, every other promise that I've been standing on, all the ones I've been talking about today, those are the ones that I sit back and go, see, that's it. That's where I'm supposed to be. And every time something in my life comes up, I go, nope, the promise says, you know, Heather and I sit around, we'll actually call up Reva and Charlie and we'll call up other people and we'll say, hey, let's pray about this and here's what the Word says. You know, we're praying the Word. We're not praying the problem. See, we have to have a hope that the promise is going to come to pass in our life. All right, I'm going to try to speed this up. Eh, I might not be able to get to all of it. But here's a promise that we need to understand, okay? In John chapter 14, verse 25, it says, These things have I spoken to you while being present with you. Verse 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father has sent in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Now, the Holy Spirit is a promise. So if, you, if you're lacking in wisdom, if you're lacking in knowledge, if you're lacking in something that God has told you, do you know that most of the time now, because I'm, I'm really focusing in on this, before I even get the words out of my mouth, Lord, what about this? The Holy Spirit drops it down into me. I mean, I literally will be sitting there going, I, I was talking to the Lord just the other day, and I said, I said, Lord, why do these certain people in, the, in these certain places not see these things? And the moment that I said things, the answer dropped down into me. And so the thing that I was wanting to understand was why is this abortion stuff such a big deal? I mean, it should be quite understandable that if you kill someone, by the way, the argument that I, that I don't understand, and I'm not about to get into abortion and when life begins, but the idealism is that there's a magical third trimester where we go into being human. That doesn't even make sense. If sperm and egg got together and a baby now starts forming, that is a baby. That is a human from that point forth. I mean, it is, it's true. That's science. And I was watching this thing and this lady said, well, that's, that's, when, that's when a human be begins. You can do anything you want to to the sperm and you can do anything you want to to the egg and you can destroy them. You can do everything. That's not a human. But when those two get together, in fact, they actually have it on film. You can go see it. When it happens, there's actually a flash of light. And they want to say, oh, it's some sort of phosphorus thing that's in the body that does this. No, that's the moment that the soul and the spirit is being put into that baby. That's the moment. And to say some magical thing happens in the third trimester, you're talking about some weird religious thing that you don't even understand. You know, every time I hear an argument about Somebody saying, well, you know, you, it's not really, it's just tissue. Well, I just look back and I say, you know, God said in his word that he knew us before we were even formed in our mother's womb. Before the foundations of the world, he knew 
us. Do you know that, that this is the reason why the Holy Spirit, when the moment I said that, why is this even a thing? And the Holy Spirit said, because the devil is roaring like a lion. He has no teeth, but as long as he can get people to believe the junk. You know, half the men, that they go and, and they show them on an iPad what happens to a baby when they get aborted where they're completely sliced up and their brains are sucked out of their head and all the things that go on from an abortion. They turn these people that are on these college campuses that's been told that, oh, this is just a, a, a bodily function that happens in the the doctor's just helping out. At the moment they show it to them, they say, I've been forever changed. I will never believe that an abortion is good at any point. They're doing it all over the country. That's one of the reasons why abortion is unthinkable a lot of times more than it is illegal. You know that we need to, as a society, get past all of the demonic media influences that constantly are being told to us. I was telling Kaylee and Kayla both, if you're ever in a class and one of these teachers tells you just junk, junk, you just let me know about it because I'll go up there and I'll tell them exactly what for. You know, most of the time they think that we're the stupid ones. Oh, you're, you're Christian and you're conservative, so you're uneducated. I got a master's degree in computer engineering. I've, I've taken all the sciences. I understand how things work. Okay? Let's not get into that because you will fail most of the time. Because the atheist biologists in some of these universities are going, wink, wink, nod, nod. We're telling you one thing, but then we're writing it in papers the other way. You know, that's demonic. That means that when somebody says yes is, yet, is no and no is yes, because that's what Jesus told us. He goes, let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. Because if you know that something is true and you say it is false, then you are the problem. How did I get off on this? I don't even know. Oh, okay, I was the Holy Spirit dropping something down into you. But I will tell you this, the Holy Spirit will bring back to your remembrance all those things that you've been taught. There's some things I've never been taught that the Holy Spirit tells me. I've been at work before, and I've never been taught how to do something. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, go over to these people and go talk to them about this certain process. And I knew nothing about the process. I just went and talked to a developer and said, hey, do y'all have a process that... Uh, you know, allows these certain, you know, functions in the database to go over here to these other functions. And they go, yeah. And I go, I think we got a problem there. And then I get the thesis later about exactly what it all meant and everything. But, you know, I'm not a computer programmer. I just went, you know, I've always been a hardware guy. I've always, you know, done networking and all that kind of stuff. So when I when I'm sitting there and it's something completely out of my realm, I'm like, that was God. You know, whenever somebody says, you know, something told me. How many, how many times have you heard somebody say, well, something told me not to go into that room with that Texas Chainsaw Massacre guy. <laughs> no, it's God standing up there going, don't go in there with a the murderer. Something told me. You know that all people can hear from God because God's trying to draw all people unto him. I've had people in the ministry go, well, people that are unsaved, they can't hear God. Well, if they can't hear God, no one's going to get saved because it's not me and you that actually affect the heart. We're just the person going, this is how you get there. It's been in your heart. Here's what we do. I'm going to help you. You don't have the power to save people. I don't have the power to save people. It's the ever-present Holy Spirit that is in each and every one of us that is going around, that is trying to find those people, that is constantly, constantly speaking to them. And they're going, get away, get away, get away. 
But one day, just like each and every one of us, the Holy Spirit talked to us. And he was talking and I go, okay, I'm ready now. And somebody came along and said, hey, all we have to do is just Romans 10, 9, and 10. Confess with our mouth and believe with our heart. And then we got saved. It wasn't some guy that was really good and eloquent with words that said, I convinced you. No, that's a cult. If somebody convinces you of something and you're not being you know, tugged at the Holy Spirit, in fact, if you're being tugged the opposite way, it's a cult. Because God himself is talking to each and every one of us. Okay, let's talk about the seal of approval. All right. Yes, it's a joke. I've got the seal of approval down here on the left, and it's an actual seal. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, it says, The promise of approval. Do you know that, that this is one of the things that most people don't understand about the Holy Spirit? He plays so much more of a part of our salvation than we ever thought. In fact, it says in verse 13, it says, In, in him also trusted. This word trusted is faith. After you had heard the word of the truth. So I heard the word just like Romans 10, 17 says. The word came, I heard it. Okay? So after you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed. So I just didn't hear it. It wasn't like, oh, you told me about something? I don't want that. No, no, no. It was like I heard it and it was like, yes, that's true. I believe it. And it says, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That means that you were vacuum packed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in to each and every one of you that's been saved. And he came in and he said, okay, I have uh, second, um, second Corinthians 5.17 says that we've been made a new creature. So the new creature comes out, right? So, so we all became a new creature. God went and put his spirit on the inside of us. He's completely connected us back to him. Now what happens is that the Holy Spirit, and by the way, for the people who go, well, you know, I'm going to have more scriptures on this. Go look this up. There are five times in the Bible, in the New Testament, where it says that the Holy Spirit sealed us. Five times. Even Jesus himself says, the Holy Spirit that sealed your salvation. See, what we have to understand is, is that the moment we were changed, God said, I'm going to do something better than I did with Adam. See, with Adam, he gave him the spirit of God on the inside of him, but then his spirit was laid bare. Well, God said, I'm going to put a separation between you and that enmity. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take the Holy Spirit. I'm going to wrap that spirit up with the Holy Spirit. You know, the crazy thing is, is that, you know, I've been around meat all my life. My dad was a meat salesman. My grandfather was a meat salesman. We used to get tons of meat in our house because I ate it all, okay? I would come in and I would eat a pack of bologna or a pack of hot dogs every single day when I played football. Now, you probably think I do that every single day now, but I don't. But back then, that was the only way dad could actually afford anything was he would take his own product and say, okay, we've got to give him some of it, right? But I would take those hot dogs, and they had freezer burn schmutt all over the top of it. They would be, I mean, all this stuff that was all over the place. You go into a meat market, there's, I'm not even going to tell you what's there. That's the reason why they vacuum pack and vacuum seal that meat. Because what's on the inside of it is completely and totally pure. But what's on the outside of it, you can put the worst smut that you want to, you go wash it off, and guess what happens? The meat's still good. You know, when, when I think about this, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, the Holy Spirit encapsulates you in a way that the smut of the world can be thrown at you, it can be on top of you, and it never even touched your spirit. And see, that's one of the reasons why I taught on spirit, soul, and body. Because your body's being attacked. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your soul is being attacked. Your spirit's sitting back there going, I'm good. I'm still connected to God. 
Your mind's all messed up, and that's why Romans 12.2 needs to happen. You need to renew your mind by the Word of God in order to line up with the completely sealed Spirit of God. See, that's what we have to understand is that the promise of God is our guarantee. See, the Holy Spirit gives us the seal of approval in this guarantee that your spirit is not going to be tarnished. You know, one of the things that I really love about what God has done here is that he didn't leave us. And he didn't forsake us. He didn't just say, okay, I gave you Jesus, you believe in him or whatever. You know, we used to talk about this all the time. And, you know, backsliding, I backslide my mind all the time. But my spirit, man, is complete and whole. I don't have to worry about my spirit. I got to worry about my mind. I got news for you. If you're out there going, I wonder if my spirit's okay. Your spirit's fine. Work on your mind. Okay? Open up your Bible every single day. Let's talk about those things that are in the Word of God because you need to go make your mind, your will, and emotions line up with that because your spirit's sitting there going, yep, that's it. Or if you're not doing it, it's going, nope, that's not it. See, that's what we have to understand is that our mind, will, and emotions are what we change. That's where we get our faith from. That's where we do all this. But the Spirit itself has all the gifts inside of it. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, faith. It's all in there. It's like Prego. Have you ever seen the commercial Prego? You know, it's in there. Well, does it have onions? Yes, it's in there. Well, you know what? There's joy in there. There's peace in there. There's faith in there. See, what we're trying to do is make our mind, will, and emotions go, I'm going to go get it out of there. And See, that's where the faith of God works. See, one of the things that I want you to understand is, is that I'm not trying to get you to believe. You already believe. What I'm trying to get you to do is know who you are in Christ Jesus. And that the faith of God means that I understand my promise and I walk through the threshold for every single thing. If it's healing you need, if it's prosperity you need, if it's whatever. And by the way, prosperity is not a million bucks. Prosperity means I get to pay all my bills and I got some on the other side of it. How many people want to be that prosperous? I pay all my bills and I've got something on the other side of it. I get to go on vacation and I got something on the other side of that. I'm able to go take all of my my kids and I'm able to pay for their schooling and I'm able to I'm able to go do special things and I'm not being hindered that's what prosperity is and see what I want you to understand is that just like in Romans 15 13 and 14 it says that now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing see this is this is something that, that is a promise. See, the God of hope is expecting something from us. He's touching us on a level that's saying, I'm putting in, I want you to put in too. And I believe you will. And it says that you may abound in hope, same word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So once you've been sealed, once you've been set free, once all those gifts are on the inside of you and you line your mind up with the Word of God, guess what happens? You've got power. I walk in power. You walk in power every single day. Verse 14, it says, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to admonish one another. Man, see, that's what's so amazing. Is that the hope and the power of God is that confidence that whatever He has said is going to come to pass. What if it hadn't happened? Well, guess what? It will. Well, what if I believe, Dusty, and it doesn't happen? What if you believe and it does happen? 
How about that? How about we have the positive side of hope that pushes us into faith and that now God says, hey, I got a bank account for you full of peace and full of joy, full of contentment, full of prosperity. Do you know that if you had all of those things, and you do, but if you believed it, you'd start eating from it. It would be a fruit that you'd reach over there and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to take some joy and I'm going to take some peace and I'm going to take some long-suffering goodness. I'm going to take it I'm going to put it on my table and I'm going to give it not only to myself, but I'm going to give it to my family. I'm going to give it to my friends. See, that's what... That's what God is trying to get to us every single moment of every single day is a promise that we have to eat from. God's not a blender and He's not force-feeding you muck. God's giving you fruit and He's giving you teeth and He wants you to eat. And that's what we have to understand is God's hope is joy and peace. It means you know what to do next means you know where to go next and see this is that confidence that the Holy Spirit's going to do what he said he's going to do amen I'm going to pray over us if everybody would just bow your head and for those that are listening by live stream just bow your head right now because I want to pray over us Father we come to you in Christ Jesus name Father I just thank you that in every situation in every way that you are going to bring about good things in each and every one of our lives. And that we're going to have a positive hope, a confidence that that promise is going to come to pass. But not only that, that we're going to be able to step through the threshold, that we're going to be able to eat of the fruit. And Father, I pray that each and every one of us, that you're bringing across our path people, that we can feed out of our own fruit basket. I pray in Jesus' name that there is so much peace and joy and love, goodness, gentleness, meekness, and that we're even given the opportunity to have faith that goes out and does something else, that works in someone else's life. I pray, dear Lord, that each and every one of us, that we read your word, that we take it in, and that we see those promises and that we live those promises. Father, I just thank you, dear Lord, that this confidence is just going to continue to grow in us and that the power of God for hope and for faith is just going to abound in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have any prayer requests or anything, I'll be down here at the front afterwards. But if there's nothing else at this time, then I'm just going to let you go. Y'all have a great week. Amen. You're dismissed.